comes up Driving when the sun goes down The hum of 18 wheels Lord, that's a lonely sound I spend all day Chasing that old white line I've been on the road so long I've lost track of time Now it don't matter where I'm going I just gotta drive I have the white line fever till the day that I die I said 18 wheels rolling on the road It is my life 18 wheels rolling on the road It is my life Hey friends, this is Chaplain Gary Rayburn, Lonesome Road Ministry, and we got a great message for you today by James Payne. It was preached right here at our Lonesome Road Ministries Threefold Chord Conference, and it's called Staking Your Claim. And you're going to enjoy this message, and then we encourage you to get more copies of it and share it with somebody out on the road. And if you're looking for great programming, we have it right here on LonesomeRoadRadio.com. That's right. We have a brand new radio station, Lonesome Road Ministries Radio. And go to your app store and download our app. Now enjoy today's program from Lonesome Road Ministries, Church on the Road. Now it don't matter where I'm going, I just gotta drive. I have the white line fever to the day that I die. I said 18 wheels rolling on the road, it is my life. James has got a great message for us today. Mr. James Payne is in the house. Praise the Lord. Linda asked me about singing a, a song that I haven't sung in years. If, if I can find this song. Uh, my mother was a, a card-carrying redneck. Uh, her working television set on top of her non-working television. And, and there were three couches in the living room because when rednecks get a new couch, they push the old one up against the wall and put the new one in front of it. And after a while, there's just a little trail through the house. And my mother had her walls lined with pictures of her kids. She had nine children. I was the eighth of those nine children. She was about this tall. Oh, Lord. And she was mean as a junkyard dog, that woman was. I know my sister Sharon's watching. She watched last night. I know she's watching today. My mom would whip you with whatever she had in her hand. And the worst was an extension cord. Oh, 
I mean, my mother in this culture would have been in prison for child abuse. But she raised, she raised six boys and three girls, and we all turned out pretty good. And, uh, boy, she was just, uh, she was something else. But she lived by herself up until about two or three weeks before she passed away in her 90s. We never really knew how old she was because back then they would put it in the Bible. You know, that was the only birth certificate you had, what they wrote in the Bible. And I'm not sure if mom erased her or whatever, but for 10 years she was the same age. <laughs> and I threatened that. I said, I went to her house one day and said, Mom, we're going take, I'm going to take you to the tattoo parlor and we're going to have your age tattooed on your arm and then each year we're going to add a, and, uh, and uh, I don't care how old you were or, or how popular you were. She still whipped you. Come on. She reached in her apron pocket. She always carried a 38 in her apron pocket. She said, I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> but I was at her house one day. I was looking at all these pictures that lined the wall. God gave me this song, and it became a, a, a number one song for me, but it also, I think, won song of the year for the ICM back uh, when, I, when I put it out. And I put her picture in the ad, and she showed it to everybody. And I miss that little old lady. She used to call me every Saturday morning, and if I wasn't home, she would leave a message on my answer machine. She'd say, James, this is Mama. Like I didn't recognize her voice, you know. <laughs> and, uh, boy, I miss that call from, from Mama. She, uh, she got saved at 82 years old watching me on television. That's why I believe in Christian television so, so much is it reaches people that maybe never come to church or have an opportunity to come to church. And uh, I'm going to do this for Linda this morning before I minister the word. I'm hoping and praying this is the track. Just a white-framed house in nowhere, USA. Where mama counts down her final days. Her kids' pictures line the walls. She talks to them each day. If you ask, she'll give you the grand tour of Mama's Hall of Fame. In Mama's Hall of Fame, my picture hangs. That's one thing I know will never change. I'm just a face in the crowd And no one knows my name Oh, but I'm famous In Mama's Hall of Fame 
There's a picture of my brother, Sir Uncle Sam. Mama cries when she tells how he never made it home from there. Every day, all alone, she walks down memory lane. And if you ask, she'll give you the gratitude of Mama's all thing. in the crowd and no one knows my name oh but I'm famous in mama's all of fame oh I'm famous in mama's all of fame thank you Jesus Tough song to sing. I have to keep my composure. I could still see that little old lady, man. Whew. Me and my brothers got a lot of whippings from that little lady. The worst part's when you have to go cut your own switch. <laughs> Am I the only one? Anybody else have a mama like that? Yeah. Oh, Lord. You know, uh, this. Uh, with what's going on in the world, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm going to do one more song, if that's okay. I never released this song as a single, but it ought to be a single. So if any of you singers would like to record it, uh, I really think it's a number one song. I just never released it as a, as a song, as a single. But you listen to it, see what you think about it. It's rain and judgment. Old world today, there's war and death, fire and flood, tornadoes, hurricanes. There's so much confusion, people don't know which way to turn. You better come on into this house built by the blood. You better come on into this house built by the blood. There's room for everybody, no matter how many come. Betty's calling on saints and sinners You better hurry up and run You better come on into this house Built by the blood It's hard to figure out Just what's going on But the end of this old world Is near God's about to send his sons He's coming in clouds of glory Gonna take his children home. You better come on into this house built by the blood. You better come on into this house built by the blood. There's room for everybody, no matter. 
one of these before I preach, okay? If Usher would come and help me or somebody would help me, uh, Jason, jump up here and get busy here. I want to give every one of you, for those of you that are listening by audio, I'm holding in my hand a wooden stake, and I want to minister to you this morning on staking your claim, staking your claim to the next level, Okay? Are you with me? Every, I, I hadn't preached this message in years. The first time I preached it, we had two miracles that happened that night. I went to the Home Depot to get some wooden stakes. When I asked the young man where the wooden stakes were, he said to me, what are you going to do, kill some vampires? True story. I said, no, we're going to kill some devils. He started weeping. He said, man, I used to be in church. He said, God's been dealing with me about getting back in church. So we went around where the wooden stakes were and knelt down in the floor of the Home Depot, and I prayed him through to Jesus right there in the Home Depot. That was the first miracle that happened. That's the greatest miracle that ever happens is when somebody comes to Jesus. Oh, I wish I could get some help this morning. I said, that's the greatest miracle that ever happens when somebody comes to Jesus. Now, I went to church, and I was preaching this message for the very first time. It was in Alabama. As I'm preaching, I laid my stake down and went over here and a man got up out of the back and came down and took my stake and put $2 there. I guess he thought I was selling them. I don't know. <laughs> but he didn't stay for the service then. He just walked out the back door. I thought that was so strange. Uh, this was on a Monday night. Now, what I didn't know, I, the next morning I asked the pastor, I said, who was that guy? He said, that guy used to be one of the biggest business people in this town, and he had a car accident that killed his wife and crippled him up, and he lost everything, and he's living over here in a travel trailer in the campground. And he said, for the last five years, he's been trying to get the insurance settlement on this accident. And so that night when I'm talking about staking your claim for what you have need of, he took it literally. He got that stake, went home, and drove it up in front of the steps of his trailer and said, God, I'm staking my claim 
for my settlement with the insurance company. I'm not going to live like this any longer. I'm staking my claim to the next level in my life. Friday morning, an attorney shows up at his trailer door and knocks on the door and said, Sir, I have the first check of your settlement, $175,000. He gave his last $2 in the offering that night and took that stake. That's all the money he had from Monday to Friday. Now he got his first check on his settlement. Did you hear the first? It was only the first check. Oh, it ended up being a few million dollars. Now, this message is for those of you that are listening online and those of you that are in this building today. Hell don't want you to have what God wants you to have. But you got to be like this man. You got to make up your mind today. I am going to stake my claim to what I know is mine. And that's why I gave you that little... Uh, 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 stake they use these to put they take a seed pack and put this right in the front row of the of the of the of the of, the, of whatever they planted and they put the picture of what's going to grow there over the stake what I want you to do is use this stake and I want you to write on one side of it what you need from God. And I want you to turn it over on the other side and write the next thing you need from God. And I want you to use this state from this day forward as a Bible marker in your Bible. And I want you to take it out every day. And I want you to stick it right in the devil's face. And I want you to tell the devil at 2022 at the convention of Lonesome Road Ministries, I stake my claim and I'm not backing up and I'm not backing down and I'm not giving in and I'm not giving up. I'm going to have what God wants me to have and hell is not going to stop it. Somebody ought to make your mind up right now. I said you ought to make your mind up right now. You've been playing around long enough. It's time to get serious with what God wants you to have in your life. Whew. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I'm going to tell you what I did. Brother Gary don't even know this. When we started talking about this building, I have an altar on my piece of property. I have an altar where I go pray. I took a wooden stake and went back to that altar, and I drove it down at that altar for this building. And I went back there every day, and I looked at that stake, and I said, Lord, I'm staking a claim with Brother Gary for him to have his own building. You know why? This ministry don't need to be under a church because a church wants to tell Brother Gary how to run this ministry. This is not uh, my ministry. This is Brother Gary's ministry. It's not First Baptist ministry. It's Brother Gary's ministry. They can help us, but he's got to hear from God, and he's got to do what God wants him to do. And when it comes to you, if I listened to the church, I would have never written a song and sung in church. You know why? They said my church, my music fit better in a bar room than it did in a church house. I don't disagree with them there because my music ministers to sinners. But I got news for you. There's just as many sinners in the church as there is in the bar room. Hallelujah. Come on, talk to me. Come on. And they need to hear about Jesus. Now, are you doing what I told you to? Some of you have not started writing yet. 
No reason for me to preach if you hadn't got anything you're believing God for. You know, sometimes you just got to make up your mind. Things are going to change. I read this back in January, and I want to share it with you. It was the first day of January, and here's what it says. Dear Lord, so far this year I have done well. I haven't gossiped. I haven't lost my temper. I haven't been greedy, grumpy, nasty, selfish, or overindulgent. First day of 2022. I'm very thankful for that. But in a few minutes, Lord, I'm going to get out of bed. And from then on, I'm going to need a lot of help. (laughs) I read this written by an elderly person that said, God, grant me the senility to forget the people I never liked anyway. The good fortune to run in to the ones that I do and the eyesight to know the difference. This guy about finances said, in 2022, I will not spend money foolishly. I will pay off all my bank loans. I will pay the interest on my credit cards. I will be totally out of debt by 2023 or I will be all the way out of the country. Least he made a decision. He decided I'm not entering the next year like I entered this year. Now, our scripture this morning is Isaiah 54 verses 1 through 4 and this is a a, a prophecy to Israel, it says, Sing, O barren, that did not bear. Break forth and sing and cry aloud that did not travail with child. For more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married wife, saith the Lord. In other words, he's trying to encourage them to build their, their hope that what they're seeing right now is going to change. Now, some people have been going through what they've been going through so long that they don't think they're ever going to get through what they're going through. Am I talking to anybody? How many of you have been through some things so long that you just wondered, am I ever going to get through this thing? God says, in that situation, sing. And he didn't tell you to sing, born to lose, I live my life in vain. He said, sing those that are barren because there's more children coming if you will do what is necessary to bring it about. Are you still here? Now, watch this. Enlarge the place of your tent. Let the curtains stretch out for your habitation. Spare not. Lengthen the cords and strengthen the stakes. Why? Or you will break out on the right hand and on the left and your seed shall inherit the Gentiles and make desolate cities to be inhabited. You have to stake your claim for a breakout, a breakthrough to the next level of your life. As long as you're contented and satisfied where you are, you will remain there. 
You never are going to get out of debt till you get sick of debt. Preaching better than you're shouting. You're never going to get healed till you make up your mind, whatever it takes, I got to have a miracle. You're never going to get to the next level in your ministry until you make up your mind, I can't live at this level any longer. Whatever it takes, whatever I have to do, I'm staking my claim today that I'm going to break out on, on every side. You know, this little simple piece of wood that I hold in my hand, listen, listen to me. You can take four of these and you can mark out a multi-million dollar piece of property. Somewhere on this church property, there are four stakes that define the limitations of this property. Here's what the Lord is saying. Israel, you got to stake your claim. You got to strengthen your stakes and you got to tell the enemy, here's where I stand. Here's what I stand for. Here's what I'm looking for. There's a going to be a breakout on the right and on the left because that's what God said. I don't, and see, listen, you got to get to the place in your life. It don't matter what it looks like right now. You can't be moved by what you see. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, we, we walk not by faith, we, or walk not by sight. We walk by faith. We walk by what we can't see. Listen, there's something better coming down the road. I don't care what it looks like in America right now. There's too many people praying. There's too many people giving. There's too many people believing God. There's getting ready to be an outpouring of God in this nation. There's getting ready to be a return to God. I'm telling you right now, the devil's crowd are confused. They can't believe what happened yesterday at the Supreme Court. They can't believe. Oh, come on. I said, they can't believe what happened at, at, on Washington. God is getting ready to do something. I said, God is getting ready to do something. We about to see a breakout. We about to see a breakthrough. We about to see God do something that he's never done in the earth. Hallelujah. You know, when God told Israel, he said, I'm going to take you to the promised land. The majority of the crowd didn't go. They died in the wilderness. And you know, I see the same thing happening in the church. God saves people. They come out of sin, but they live the rest of their Christian life in the wilderness. They never get the promises of God in their life because they're contented to live in the wilderness. And if you listen to them, they'll tell you this. You know, I didn't have all these problems till I come to Jesus. The devil's lying to you. You know you used to stagger home. You know you used to get drunk. You know you used to just wake up and be depressed. You know all the hell that went on in your life. Don't let the devil lie to you. You know. I said, you know what you went through. The, the worst day I've had living for Jesus was better than my best day living for the devil. Come on, come on. And the devil will try to lie to you. But you can't sit somewhere in a church pew and just wait for Jesus to come and rescue you. I'm telling you, God is calling for his church to get up and stake a claim and tell the devil, we're, we're staking a claim to a move of God. We're staking a claim for our nation. We're staking a claim oh, for, for God's work on this earth. We're not, we're not gonna sit idly by and just enjoy church. We're about to rise up and do something. Oh, come on. We're about to reach people we never reached before in all of our life. It's time to stake a claim for a breakout, a breakthrough. He told Israel, take it.
taking you to the promised land. But the majority died in the wilderness. When they got across Jordan, you see, at Jordan, welfare stops and warfare starts. See, they lived on welfare for 40 years. They went out and picked up their food. They drank water out of a rock. That's welfare. They were on fixed income. But when they got to Jordan and Moses died and Joshua took over, the manna stopped falling out of heaven. See, some of you are going to have to make up your mind. You've got to make up your mind. If I'm going to cross that river and I'm going to have the promise God has for me, there's giants, there's enemies over there I'm going to have to fight. I've never seen a lazier bunch of people serving God than the ones that serve him today. They want the world of least resistance. They want the easiest path possible. They want the most comfortable sermon that won't disturb them. Come on, they want you to tickle their ears. Come on, pat them on the back. Tell them everything's all right and not challenge them to go to the next level. Oh, you got the wrong preacher if you came in here expecting that today. I have no sympathy for lazy Christians. I have no sympathy for folks that won't take hold of the promise of God. You see, to get to the promised land, to go to that next level, I got I to gotta walk in. Now, I, I, I don't have to fight because God drives the enemies out before me. All I got to do is show up. But in order to claim the promised land, they had to take stakes, and you can study this in history, they had to drive down those stakes on their property. And they had to claim the property they were going to live on. God gave them a certain property, but they had to stake a claim for it. Oh, I can't get no help. I said, I can't get no help. You see, Christians today, well, you know, angels, would y'all come down and drive the stakes down for us? I'm too lazy. It's too hot for me to drive them down for myself. But you see, there's two things that was necessary for them to have the promised land. They had to stake their claim, and then they had to plow up the ground, and they had to plant a crop. Once that crop was planted on their property, that property belonged to them. Listen, after you stake your claim, sow a seed. Sow a seed, and, you, and tell the devil, I have staked my claim. I have sown my seed. This belongs to me, and you're not going to have it. Nobody's going to talk me out of it. I don't care what's going on in the world. God said I could have it and I'm going to have it. You got to make up your mind. Don't be a passive Christian. I'm telling you, the Bible said in Matthew that the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. I'm telling you, it's it, uh, you got to stand up and get violent with the devil. He don't play. He brings out the big guns out of hell but you're more than a conqueror through Christ if you'll stand up and stake your claim and tell the devil we're going to have it in the name of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. There's a little saint of God down in Tyler, Texas at Dale Way's church. I preached this message there one Sunday morning years ago, and she had a, a teenage son. She couldn't get him off drugs. He was on drugs. She had him everywhere. She couldn't get him delivered. She heard me preach this message. She went and got a, a stake like this, and she drove it up outside his bedroom window. And every day she'd walk out there and she'd look at that stake and she'd say, devil, I have staked my claim for my son's salvation. 
I stake my claim for my son getting delivered from drugs. Did you know it was just a short time? On Sunday morning, that old boy walked down the aisle there at Calvary Temple and gave his heart and life to Jesus. Amen. Was instantly delivered from drug addiction and alcohol. Come on. I'm talking about staking your claim. Some of you need to stake a claim for your family. You need to drive down a stake and say, my brother's coming out of this. My sister's coming out of this. My mom and dad's coming out of this. Stake a claim for somebody's marriage. Stake a claim for your marriage. It's not God's will for your marriage to end in divorce. Come on, I don't care what it looks like. God can turn it around. If somebody will stake a claim on the authority of God's word, I tell you, oh, glory to God, I feel the preach on me today. I feel God talking to you. Stake your claim. I remember I turned 50 years old. When I turned 50 years old, I came home from a, from a great meeting. Was just resting in my easy chair. Didn't want to go anywhere. Didn't want to talk to anybody. I'm sitting there in my easy chair, and the Lord says, I want you to go to this town, which is about 40 uh, minutes from where I lived at the time. And he said, I want you to buy some property, and I want you to do it today. I said, Lord, I've been out on the road. I'm tired. I don't want to go. He said, I want you to do it today. Has anybody ever heard that voice, you know? He told me where to go. I went down, took my wife, my late wife, Ruby, took her with me. We went down. We rode all over this town. It, it, it had the, a sign there. The year the, the town was established was the year I was born. And it was, it was like out in the middle of nowhere. I mean, it, it, it wasn't close to nothing, you know. And I didn't want to live there. And I was relieved when we drove all over town and there wasn't no property available. I drove up all the back roads. Wasn't one for sale sign. So I'm getting ready to go home and I go up this road and out of the corner of my eye, I see a for sale sign laying down in weeds about this high. And the Lord said, that's it? I said, oh, God. It was just a, you know. and, and you see, what we don't understand a lot of times, the Lord's trying to bless us. And we're trying to be stubborn. This was a 92-acre piece of property. I had no money. I thought it was crazy the Lord tell me to buy property, and I got any money. And I'm out of debt and made a commitment. I'm never going to go back in debt, so... I can't get along. You're looking at me like you never wrestled with the Lord when he tells you to do something. Brother Gary, did you have the money for this building when the Lord told you to get this building? I didn't think so because you called me. <laughs> he said, I found a building. Isn't that right? And so, I, I, you, you know, most pastors or most preachers would say, now, Gary, how much money you got? Well, I don't have any. Well, then you need to forget that. You know, I'm telling you how people are. You don't, don't look for Christians to help you. If they could help you, they wouldn't be in the mess they're in. Glory to God, this building now is debt-free. So you got to move out on the word from God. He's telling them, it's barren, but sing. 
He's telling them the ones that's coming are greater than the ones that are here. He's telling them, you're going to break out on the right and you're going to break out on the left. Somewhere you've got to start believing God. You've got to know that God's still on the throne, that God can do the supernatural, that you don't have to stay where you are. There was a number on that sign, and I called that man, and he said, you call me at just the right time. He said, I need to sell that property and I need to close in 30 days. And I need cash. Now, what, what I want you to understand when I'm preaching, one day I'll give an account for God to God for everything I tell you. But you'll give an account to God for everything that I told you. You got that? Before I knew what was happening, Tammy, I said, I'm your man. We'll close in 30 days. 92 acres. In Nashville at that time, you could buy property for 1,000 an acre. So it was 92,000 that I needed. And I had zero. <laughs> but you know, when God tells you to do something, He's got a way. He's got a way. Now, what I didn't know was God was going to show me how to build my first house debt-free. I got up to about 48 hours before that 30 days, and I still needed 15000 All that month, God had worked miracles, but now i got to close this property tomorrow. And I didn't sleep well that night. And the next morning, a pastor that I know in Texas, I hadn't been to his church in years, he calls on the phone. He said, Brother Payne, are you sitting down? I said, no, sir. He said, sit down. He said, a man came by here this morning that don't even go to our church and brought me a cashier's check for $15,000 for you. Do you need it? I said, immediately, if not sooner. So now I had the money, went to the courthouse to close the property. It took them two hours to find the paperwork for cash. I'm not kidding you. They said... We don't normally, we normally have a lending institution. We don't normally have folks write a check. <clears throat> but they eventually found the paperwork. We signed the deal, and I owned the property, and I called a builder I know to put me a fence around it. But before we ever bought that property, Ruby and I went up to Home Depot and bought four wooden stakes and drove it down on all four corners of that property and told the devil, this belongs to us. Oh, now, that's, that's bold. Come on, I said, that's bold. But, but we wrote scripture on all four of those stakes and we drove them down on all four corners of that property. And from that moment until the day I closed it, I knew it was mine. Oh, I, I, I'm preaching to myself now. I, 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 you're, you're not getting this. Come on. Come on. I knew it was mine. 
I'd go down there and walk around it. Before I had the money, I'd walk around it. This belongs to me. We gathered up rocks. We built an altar right back in the middle of that property before we ever owned it. I said, God, this is where I'm going to come and pray over my partners. This is where I'm going to come and seek you, Lord. This is where I'm going to meet with you. We did it before we ever owned the property. I called this builder I know to build me a fence. He came out. He said, uh, boy, I like this property. He said, he said I- I'd like to live here myself. I said, it just so happens I got 52 acres for sale next door. And I need a builder, and so we'll work a deal. You can build me a house, and I can give you acres, and you can live here right beside me. Come on. about Oh, yeah. About two, about two years later, I'm preaching over here in Mayfield, Kentucky, at a little small church. And... Uh, we had everything built except this quarter-mile road going in. We had an office building. God gave a miracle in, in, in uh, Florida that a man built my office building for me. He said, you send me the invoices and I'll pay it. And he did. Oh, you're looking at me like, things like that never happened to me. Have you ever drove up stake somewhere? Have you ever got up out of the easy chair and did what God told you to do? Have you ever stepped out on something God told you? Have you ever just stepped out by faith and said, bless God, if God said this, I believe it. Yeah, come on, you got to do that to get where we are. I said, you got to do that to get where we are. God didn't say, I'm going to bless you. He said, strengthen your stakes and get ready because you're about ready. If you don't drive down the stakes and you don't stretch out the curtain, you ain't going to break out on the right and you ain't going to break out on the left. Somewhere you got to stake your claim. Somewhere you got to step up, take a step of faith. Well, I had the house built, had fence around it, had office building built, but we still needed to pave the driveway. And they told me it'd be twenty-two thousand dollars. I didn't have twenty-two thousand dollars. I went over here, a little small church in Mayfield, Kentucky. Never been there before in my life. Went over there to preach. And uh, they hand me the envelope with my, with my honorarium in it, my offering in it. I didn't even open it. I figured to the crowd, I looked at the crowd, I pretty well said, well, if I get gas, get back home, it'd be good. You know, I've been doing this long enough. I can tell you how much money's in the house just by looking at people. You know, most of the time. I couldn't that morning. And uh, I didn't tell anybody I needed $22,000. Nobody knew that but me. Me and the guy that bid the, job out. I got back to Nashville, opened that check for $22,000. Oh yeah. I'm telling what God, I, I'm going to answer to God what I'm telling you. I'm telling you what happened when I staked my claim. You know, and I remember I had big iron gates and a big old entryway and a waterfall which you come into the property. It was beautiful. And, and I remember standing outside and looking down that road Amen. And, and, and I told the devil, you know something, devil? Everything inside that gate's debt free. Do you know how good that feels? The house I live in now is because when I moved out there in the middle of nowhere, everybody else wanted to live out there. I used to go down to the post office box, wouldn't be one car on the road. Go down there now, it's a traffic jam. Whole city moved out there where I was. They must have heard about it. I don't know. But they moved out there. My late wife passed. Her ashes are on that property now. That's what she asked. That she have her ashes sprinkled over that property where we used to pray every day. And that's where she is. But I couldn't live there anymore. I told God I got to have another place. And I sold that property for five times more than I gave for it. And moved out 
to the most, uh, uh, most uh, uh, what can I say here, uh, the growingest part of Nashville. And I, and I built my house out there on five acres debt free. And do you, are you ready for this? From last year to this year, the value of that property increased $244,000 in 12 months in Nashville. My property increased that much. Well, I wish I could have things like that happen in my life. Have you ever picked up a sign out of the weeds? Have you ever called a man and told him you're going to close property in 30 days when you didn't have a dime? Have you ever taken a step of faith and believed God that kept you up at night trying to figure out how it was going to take place? If you haven't, then you're never going to get to that level. Now, i got to close this message because i got three points to it. Number one, I'm going to tell you what stakes do. I had a, a surveyor tell me this. <laughs> Here's what stakes are for. Number one, to establish a boundary and declare ownership. Brother Gary, did they have to resurvey this property when you bought it? Okay. Most of the time when you buy property, it has to be resurveyed and the boundaries have to be reestablished, and they'll drive up these wooden stakes, and you've seen them with a little orange flag on them. All right? Now, in Israel, when they established the promised land, they took a piece of wood and drove it up and wrote the name of their tribe on it. When people saw that name on that stake, they knew that that piece of property, that partial, belonged to that tribe. What are you saying? I'm saying when you drive a stake up, when you take this and put what you have desire for and you put it in your Bible, you're telling the devil, come on, this belongs to me. I'm establishing ownership by my faith. I'm laying hold to this. I'm, raised, I'm establishing a boundary and declaring ownership what what is rightfully mine, what I believe God wants me to have. Now, some of you, your natural mind will tell you this is crazy. But you see, faith has to have something to be released toward. And when you got something you can see, the reason they put these in the front of the row, Mama would put the, the, the seed packet on this. She knew that in just a little while, she's going to have carrots. In just a little while, she's going to have corn. In just a little while, she's going to have beans coming up because there's a picture there. That's what this is. I said, that's what this is. You need to write your picture on this little, little stake. You need to write down so you can see it. And you need to tell the devil, look, it's not going to be long. This is what's going to happen in my life. My ministry is going to the next level. My marriage is going to the next level. Come on, my finances are going to the next level. Lord Jesus, to establish a boundary and declare ownership. You know, when the, when the pioneers established America, they would travel across and they would find a piece of property. Then they would drive down stakes and they would go down to the claims office and they would register their name on this particular piece of property. Johnny Appleseed, John, you know, when he started, the government said if you plant 50 fruit trees on a piece of property, then that property belongs to you. Johnny Appleseed planted 2 million seeds in his life. Because then you bought seeds in a, in a basket and they knew, they estimated how many seeds was in the basket and, and the records where he bought seeds said he sold over 2 million seeds. And when he died, he owned 1,500 
orchards that didn't cost him one dime except the seed. And there's a tree 178 years old that he sowed, and guess what? It's still producing apples. Mm -mm -mm. Hallelujah. Now, number two, stakes are used to raise a standard. What do you mean? How many of you own property? People can't come on your property and act any way they want to. Right? So every time a building is taken out of the hands of the world and brought into the kingdom, it raises a standard that says this building can't be used for ungodly stuff anymore. You know, when I take money out of the world, out of the hands of the world, and bring it into the kingdom, it says this money can't be used to get kids on drugs. This money can't be used for immorality. This money now is in the kingdom. Now, for those of you that don't think God wants you to prosper, if you were God, where would you want the money? I'd want it in the hands of godly people, holy people, people that are going to use it for the kingdom. You see what I'm saying? So God is trying to bless his children. He wants to get it to you so that you can use it for the kingdom. And when you drive a stake up, you raise a standard that says, what I own belongs to God. What, uh, this place, this piece of property here, it belongs to God. In Mount Juliet, Tennessee, Miss Lori Payne, my wife and I, we have a piece of property that belongs to us. Tammy and Jason have been to my house. We live in a nice place. I don't apologize for being blessed. You see, you weren't there when I sold my business and moved into a Sunday school room to pastor a church where they paid me $200 a week. You see, I didn't just wake up one morning and get where I am right now. There's a price to get to where you go. And that's the reason some people never get there. They, they want an easy way. They, Pentecostal people are the world's worst. They think they can get in line and be anointed with oil and all their problems are going to be solved. But you see, when you drive down a stake, you lift a standard. When Brother Gary bought this building, it says there's not going to be a bar room here. Not going to be a honky-tonk here. Come on. Not going to be a house of real repute here. This is now God's house. This is God's property, God's church. Come on. Hey, are you getting this? Are you getting this? That's what God wants to do in your life. He wants to give you things that, that he knows, hey, this is in good hands. I can use this now. The third thing that a stake does Stakes are used to declare ownership so that you can solicit help if you need it to protect that property. Did you get that? You see, Brother Gary, what if somebody came over here next Sunday or Monday and they just decided they're going to build something right over here on your property? Uh-huh. Now, if they didn't listen to you, you would have to take action. Come on. So you call the, the local sheriff and you say, hey, I got a guy over here that's trespassing. Now, this morning, the liberals of America are all upset 
because they don't like the decision made by the court that they put in because it does not agree with their ungodliness. You understand that? But the highest decision that can be made in the earth is made by the Supreme Court. And people have to abide by that decision. And I heard a news person this morning said that the government should not be involved in whether a woman gets an abortion or not. So my question is, why is the government taking our tax money and paying Planned Parenthood to give abortions if the government is not to be involved in abortions? You see, it was okay as long as the government was calling the shots, but now that the Supreme Court has made the decision, they no longer want to abide by the decision. And the reason I'm saying that is our authority in what we own goes all the way to the Supreme Court. You don't only have to appeal to the sheriff. You can appeal to the state, and you can appeal to Washington. And if that don't work, you can eliminate all that by just appealing to Jesus in the beginning. He will send angels out of heaven. He's done it more times than one. Come on. He will drive the enemy back. He's done it more times than one. You see, you need to realize when you stake a claim for something, God is on your side. The angels are at your disposal, according to Hebrews 1.14. They are ministering servants to the children of God. If I need help, I'll call for the angels of God. I'll call for heaven's oh, uh, military. I'll call for angels to come and work with me because this is mine. So let's, let's recap now and we're done. Number one, a stake is used. What's that? To establish a boundary and declare ownership. Number two, stakes are used to raise a standard. Three, stakes are used to solicit help greater than yourself. What you wrote on this Stake declares ownership. Now, let me tell you something. Now, what you don't want to do, now, now I'm going to help you here, and I'm glad you said that because I'm going to help you here. What happens to a lot of Christians, the reason they don't receive, is they're believing God for 14 different things. Okay? Four is too many. And the reason I'm saying that is, you see, faith, it's like a laser. It has, you know, Brother Gary, when you believe in God for this building, you ain't got time to believe God for duplicators and everything else that you need over here, right? Because you got to use all your faith right there. And what Christians need to learn is you take your greatest need. You take your greatest need and you use all your faith toward your greatest need and your greatest desire. And then when that happens, you go to the next thing. You understand that? And I'm, I'm saying that because, see, when you divide your faith in several different areas, you can't really focus your faith on what you believe in God for. The woman with the issue of blood, she said, if I can touch the hem of his garment. Do you have this now? See, faith is a spiritual power. It's like a laser. And you just got to, and that's why I ask you to, to write this down because it allows you a point of focus. This is what I'm believing God for. 
Now, you can come up here and get as many of these as you want and put them in your, you know, as many as left. You can have them. You can get these wooden ones. I got some more back there. You can get those. Now, you can get those and save them for your next adventure. But right now, I'm talking about these two things that you wrote down. How many of you wrote down some things this morning that you don't mind sharing maybe one of those things? Jason, do you mind sharing one thing that you wrote on there? He needs another truck. He's selfish. He's got one. But that ain't enough. You see, uh, she put four because she's got more faith than Jason does. Now, I, I can kid with them because they're my family. I love them. They're, they're my kids, you know. And I've seen them grow. And I've seen them, you know, really begin to expand in what God's doing. And so 510 trucks is not out of reach for this couple right here because they caught the secret of, of how to, you know, they got in a truck, went to North Carolina, picked up chairs when this building was bought. Some of the chairs you set back probably in the, in the fellowship hall. That, this is a special couple right here. And they went to a church for the pastor where I bought the chairs that's in his church. Y'all saw the chairs. I bought the chairs that are in that church. See? Isn't that, isn't that right? They tell you all that? Yeah. All right. Okay. So, so I'm trying to get you zeroed in here on what you need from God. You understand? You got that? Someone else got one thing. You said, I wrote that down. What, what did you say, dear? That's a good one. Amen. See, there's, there's people that we love that need to be born again. And that's what's on that. The loved one that needs to be born again. Roger, what, what you put there? Praise God. More souls. Thank God. More souls. You see, more souls. That's what, that's what this ministry is all about. Uh, I don't know if the person's in the building. I don't know if they're listening online, but please listen to me now. I'm finished preaching here. I want to talk to you right out of my heart for a moment. I'm going to tell you why I've been up since 2.30 this morning. i got to explain to you my ministry, okay? My ministry's twofold. One, God raised me up to raise finances for the kingdom. How many of you understand that? And, and some people, they leave their wallet home when I'm preaching, because they think that's going to excuse them from what God says. But you see, that's my ministry, and that's what I'm anointed to do, is to raise money for the kingdom of God so that we can get... You see, uh, God, in 1 Kings 17, he needed to bless a widow, so he needed a preacher. And a preacher's down there, and, and he's got bread and flesh in the morning and the evening, and the brooks, you know... And God had to dry the brook up to get him to listen. You can't tell me he's going to move as long as the brook's flowing and the ravens are coming. So God dries up the brook, and God will dry your brook up too. When he's wanting you to do something, he'll dry your brook up. And you're stupid if you want to sit by a dry brook. And so God needed this preacher to go over there and say to the woman, Honey, bake me a cake first, and then go bake you a cake and you won't run out of meal, and you won't run out of oil till the famine is over. Now, we almost act like that that's not the same God we serve. But it is the same God we serve. So God raises up preachers like me that don't mind getting criticized. I don't mind it at all. People criticize me all the time. They say, I, say, I was at a funeral the other day, and this old negative preacher walked up to me and said, I see you on television. All you do is ask for money. 
I said, well, have you ever given it? He said, no. I said, then what bothers you about that? Sure, I'm on television, and I ask for money. You know why? It costs money to be on television. But a lot of people see me on there think I get it. And, and I come here and take up offerings, and I always have to tell people, this offering's not for me. This is for Brother Gary and for Lonesome Road Ministry. I'm not, Brother Gary, am I taking anything out of here? So you see, you got mad for no reason at all. See, people are already looking down at the floor. The second part of my ministry is this. God, for some reason, wakes me up and talks to me just like he did Elijah, and, and he says, I'm talking to people, and I want you to tell them what I'm talking to them about. He'll say, I'm talking to three people to sow a $1,000 seed. I've been criticized for that. I got a text this week. All you talk about is $1,000. Well, yeah, that's what God said. Want me to lie to you? So this morning at 2.30, the Lord said, I'm talking to three people to sow a $1,000 seed to help Brother Gary. He told me that. You may be here. You may be listening online. When I was here last year, I was getting ready to say goodbye to Brother Gary and go out to my truck, and I said to Brother Gary, I said, Brother Gary, there's 15000 coming because we need to put an air conditioner in the building. Did I not say that? Did I say that? Did it come? Aren't you glad it came? Thank God I am. I'm glad it came. God told me that. I don't know why he tells me that, but he told me last night or 2.30 sometime this morning, he said, Brother Gary, there's 10,000 coming. He's talking to somebody that's got a piece of property for sale and the tithe on it's going to be 10,000 from a truck driver. And he told me this morning, he said, I'm going to talk to three people about a $1,000 seed. And I'm going to talk to one person about the $10,000 seed. And he said, they'll sell a piece of property and it'll come. Now, if that don't happen, I'm a false prophet. Don't believe another word I say. God said that. Now, it's up to people to obey. The widow had a decision to make. When the prophet came to her, she could die or live. But in order to live, she's got to bake the last cake for the preacher. Whew. Think about it. You say, now this, this offering thing is a lot more serious than people think it is. It's where we make decisions about the rest of our life. It's one thing. Brother Gary could come over here and drove stakes up all day long around this building. But when it come time to close, you had to have what? Money. And see, you can write everything you want to on, on pieces of paper, and you can put your faith toward that. But somewhere, God's going to talk to you about putting a seed with your need. And so, that's what he's called me to do. Raise finances for the king, hear his voice, and do what he told me to do. And so, before I leave today, I want to receive an offering. And how many of you, uh, we got enough last night to put the, the radio program on the air. So while I'm out ministering somewhere in the world, what God used me to do and what God used you to do is going to be touching lives. These little cards here, how many of you like those? And, and can we illustrate this? Somebody, uh, Roger, do you have your phone? You, do you have an iPhone or you got a, 
that we need to pray for you to get one. Oh, Android, Lord Jesus, help him. Lord, give him an iPhone. Help him, Lord. Does it work on this? All right. Brother Roger said this will work, so I'm going to illustrate this to you. I'm going to show you how this works. See, right there. He pulled it right up on his phone. You go right to the message right there. That's how quick that is. Is that powerful? Is that powerful? Now, this little card. Look here. I'm getting ready to preach right there. You see it? Man, that's about good slice bread. You know that? <laughs> These little cards, this is unbelievable. For $100, this little card would touch 625 lives. In other words, for $100, we can give 625 of these to different people. Good. How many, somebody help me here, for $1,000, 10 times 625 is 6,000. What's that? Somebody help me. How many? 6,250 people. Good. Can you believe that? So no wonder God's talking to people. Now that person that sends 10,000, that's how many people? 62,000. So to get the gospel out, all it requires is for us to hear God's voice and do what God tells us to do. So now that we've got the radio program, you know, ready to be launched, why don't we take this offering today so that we can order several thousand of these and get the gospel out? Is that not what we're here for? Oh, I can't get no help. Y'all are so quiet. Lord Jesus. You see, I know what you're trying to do. I've been there trying to get your mind on something else, get it off of what God's talking to you about. And so I want to challenge you today. You know, I want to challenge you. Everybody could, I know you gave last night. I know you did. But, you know, everybody could reach 625 people. You know, you go out to eat and spend $100. You'll spend $100 on a dress or a pair of shoes. We're talking about touching lives with the gospel. Many of that are watching us online, you can do the same thing. I don't know if I got up close enough to show them that right there. But you not only get that sermon, you get a wonderful picture of me right there, you know. <laughs> Hallelujah. You, you take that little stake and put it up in your garden, put that right there in front of it, ain't no birds going to come around. How many of you got something out of the message today? You know, this message needs to be put on one of these cards needs to be put on one of these cards, and people need to be able to go over there and talk about staking a claim for what they got. How many of you, God stirred in your heart this morning, you're going to start believing God for some things in your life, and you're not going to back up. You're just going to start moving forward on these things. How many of you? Glory to God. Hallelujah. You know, I don't know who you're believing God for, but if you'll slip over there and, and just drive that down somewhere where they live. Hallelujah. Amen. Just drive it down over there where they live. Glory to God. You stake that claim for them right there. Come on. Amen. Uh, I've got a pastor up in uh, North Carolina. He'd been there uh, 30 years getting ready to retire, and he lived in the parsonage, didn't even have a house. 
I drove a stake at my altar and prayed for him, made a five-minute spot, raised enough money on Sunday morning on a five-minute spot to buy him and his wife a house. I'm talking about staking a claim. See, God's trying to bless people. I'm telling you, uh, the Lord told me this, and in the moment we're going to get our offering ready, but God told me this the first of 2022. He said this to me. He said, everybody that hears you this year and everybody that responds to you this year when you're receiving money for the kingdom, he said, three things will happen in their life. Number one, you'll walk in uncommon favor. Number two, you'll experience unexpected blessing. And number three, you will begin to have supernatural provision. And we've had that with people all year. I get testimonies every day of people that responded when we took offerings that God's doing these three things. You know, one moment of favor is greater than a lifetime of work. The reason my music is around the world, in 1995, God gave me favor with Jan Crouch and TBN. And she filmed the video of the night Jack Daniels met John 316, and it went around the world. Mike Perky recorded a song I wrote called Let's Have Church. 500 groups and choirs and individuals recorded this one song. It became the theme song for the Catholic Charismatic Renewal in Indianapolis, Indiana. And it was printed on the first front of their bulletin. And they sung it like this. Crank up the music and let's have church. Thank God for the Catholics. But all you need is favor. God will give you uncommon favor. Unexpected blessing and supernatural provision. Father, I thank you for the word today. I thank you for bringing this message, Lord, to my remembrance this morning at 2.30. Thank you for talking to me about those three people to sow a $1,000 seed, those, Lord, to sow uh, that $10,000 seed, Lord, and those of us today that will say we're going to reach 625 people with a $100 seed or a $500 seed. Lord, we're going to do something. If we can only reach, Lord, uh, uh, 16 people with a dollar, Lord, that's 16 people that will get the gospel. And, Lord, I thank you right now in Jesus' name for what you're going to do as we obey you. Now, just keep your head bowed, your eyes closed. Ask God, Lord, what would you have me to do? What would you have me to do? And then just obey him. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, speak to everyone that's hearing my voice, whether it's by CD, Lord, whether it's by one of the cards, or whether it's live in the service. Let us hear your voice in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, James. Uh, man, what, a, what an awesome man of God. I want to share testimony. And it's, uh, James mentioned it, 1995, uh, about the John 316 song. You wrote that and put it out in 1995. 1995, 1995 is when I got saved, August 13th, 1995. I picked up a cassette tape in a truck stop somewhere, and there was uh, one song on this cassette tape, only one song on it, and it was John 316. And it was some guy in a church singing it. Wow. 
It wasn't you singing. It was just some guy had recorded that and was singing it. And I listened to that cassette tape, and I listened to it, and I listened to it, and I listened to it. I could not quit listening to that cassette tape. It just, it just hooked me. And I, I had to keep listening to it, and I didn't know why. And who would have ever thunk that someday I'd meet the guy that wrote the song, and he'd be in here, we'd be working together. I mean, unbelievable, unbelievable. 1995. In 1995, after listening to that song over and over and over again, I heard, I went to church at where I went to church, and Russ Beatles preached a message, and he talked about the parable of the sower. And some seed fall on stony ground, some seed fall on wayside, yeah, some seed fall among the thorns, and some, and some seed fall on good ground. And Russ Beatles said in that message that day, he said, you are the soil. And you get to choose which soil you want to be. And I thought to myself, well, that's a no-brainer. I want to be the good ground. And so I prayed a prayer that day. And I said, God, make me that good ground. I want to be that fertile ground. I want to make a difference Everywhere I go, I want to make a difference to all these drivers out on the road. Use me to be good, fertile ground. Help me to make a difference across this country. And God answered that prayer. And here we are. Just because I said, Lord, make me fertile ground. Help me make a difference. So... Today, we all get to choose which ground we're going to be when we leave here. We want to be fertile ground. At the crossroads of life, lost without hope, 18 wheels of lonesome at the end of the road. In my hand was a track the preacher had read. We don't like to close any program without offering you the chance to give God your heart. So pray with me right now, just a simple little prayer. Pray, Lord Jesus, forgive me for my sins. Lord, I surrender all to you. I want to give you my heart right now, Lord. And then I want you to mold me into the person that you want me to be. Help me to live for you from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Waters will be in trouble, children. Stay upon me. Waters will be in trouble, children. Stay upon me. Let Jesus heal your body now, wash away your sin. Waters will be in trouble, children, step on in. There was a pool in Bethesda where they brought the sick and lame. There was healing in the water when the angel came. What Jesus did in Bible days, he's doing once again. 
What does it be in trouble, children? Step on in. Well, what does it be in trouble, children? Step on in. What does it be in trouble, children? Step on in. Let Jesus heal your body now and wash away your sin. What does it be in trouble, children? Step on in. So long for your healing touch Well, I can feel the spirit Like a rushing mighty wind What is it be in trouble, children? Step on in Well, what is it be in trouble, children? Well, friends, if you prayed that prayer And asked Jesus Christ into your heart Then we want to hear from you Give us a call right here at 618-383-2107 And remember this, friends, Jesus loves you, and we do too. And this is Chaplain Gary Rayburn, and we'll talk at you later.